I'm glad that you're here with us. Uh, we kicked off the um, faith series last week of Add to Your Faith. We're in our second week. We're going to be spending eight weeks on this. And I'm just super excited about what God is challenging my, in my own life. And I'm praying that, it's, that it is challenging um, in yours as well. Because the truth of the matter is, is our relationship with God should be about knowing God better and trusting Him more. And as we live this out, our faith grows and it impacts our whole lives. We're, I'm so grateful that our faith impacts our eternity. I'm telling you what, that's the most important piece. The most important piece. And thank goodness that that one is covered when we say yes to Jesus. We understand that we need a Savior. And that Jesus is the only one that lived a sinless life, died a death he didn't know, was risen again, and that that left an open account for us to say, you know what, my sins were covered by what he did for me. And then we're standing righteous before God, heaven ready because of the free gift of Jesus Christ. And once we've embraced that, we're heaven ready, but we're here. We're on this planet. It kind of would make maybe more sense that we have that little prayer moment and then whoop, let's just get there. So why are we still here? Why are we still having to deal with each other in this fallen world and all of these different things? And that's because God is wanting to do through you what he did through somebody else. Because somebody shared the good news with you. Somebody loved you. Somebody ministered to you. Somebody was patient and kind and generous with you. Somebody was. And guess what? Now that we're here and we're connected with that, God wants to do that with us. And it's going to require us growing and it's going to impact our entire lives. We are going to be just hammering Second Peter 1. And um, we jump in at verse 3. Now remember, we've talked over and over and over again that Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And Peter here begins to, to help exp us understand that a little better. And says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. As we begin to understand Jesus. You want to really grow in your relationship with God, study Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at the heart of God manifest through the person of Jesus. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Prior to this, we were participating in the fallen nature. We were making dumb decisions and being hurtful to ourselves and hurtful to others. And we have an awakening moment saying, wow, I need some help. And Jesus is the only one that gives it. And now we can participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in this world caused by evil desires. And here we go. For this very reason, because he has done it all. For that very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's about by faith, not by works, not by our own strength, but by the power of God at work in our lives to see good come about in and through us. To add to us goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection and, or kindness and to mutual affection, love. 
For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they just keep growing and going forward, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Any of us who understand Him and embraced His grace, we don't want to be ineffective and unproductive. Maybe you're here in a spectator. Maybe you're outside of Christ. Maybe you're like, I still even don't know if there's really a God out there, and I'm just kind of here. Somebody drug me here, and I'm checking this out. That, that's, that's cool, and you're in a great place to do that. You're in a great place to do that. But for those of us that have understood who Jesus is and we're in Christ, we don't want to be ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of Him. How terrible is it to have all of the glory of good? He's, his divine power has given us everything we need. But if we, don't want, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, if we don't allow the work of God in our lives, we'll end up being ineffective and unproductive in that. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. The fact that we're free from that is our launching pad, folks. We're not trying to do these things so we can get free from our sins. It is our launching pad. I can actually begin to be good because I'm not burdened by the weight of the the penalties of my sin. Jesus took care of them. I'm not burdened by my old nature. Jesus has made me alive and fresh in him. It changes everything. And if we forget that we're a new creation, we will slip into this old thing and become unaffected and unproductive in our knowledge of Him. And our faith, people, our faith should grow by expecting God to work in our lives to produce good. Remember we studied the, the, what's called the Lord's Prayer? And we open up with our Father in Heaven. Praise be Your name. And then we immediately start talking about kingdom business. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. We haven't even talked about sin or provision or, or, or any of our, our shortcomings, our, our, our um, what's the word? The, the, the last piece. I'm not going to be able to move forward if I don't say this. I'm stuck in my head right here. Temptations, thank you very much. Our temptations. We haven't even talked about any of that. And we're going to be talking about kingdom business. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And Jesus is a picture of God's will for us. And so we're right from the bat, we're to be going, God, what good do you want to manifest through me? When we get out of bed in the morning, we should be going, God, Lord, I'm looking forward to you using me somehow for the good. Use my day for the good. Use my mouth for the good. I don't know about you, but my mouth has been used to hurt some people before. I've had to say a lot of I'm sorry's for some sarcastic comments and some hurtful things and just some outright negative things that I've, that I've done with my mouth. I want some good to come out of my mouth. I want some blessing to come out. God, we should get up in the morning expecting God to work in our lives to produce good. 2 Peter 1.5 again says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, I love it that it starts from a place of faith. Otherwise, we could slide back over into this thing that, you know what? If you're an actual child of God, well, then you're going to be good. Um, 
If you're not good, well, you're not really saved. No, God begins to work in us. The only way any good can come out of us is if, if, if we're alive in him. That's the only way any real good's going to come about. The Lord promises every good and, and perfect gift comes from the Father above. But we have to be aware of that and begin to look for opportunities for good. My first job, I was hired at the age of nine to catch cicadas, catch locusts. There was a guy that lived up in the panhandle, and he had a little display in the old Wynwood Mall in in Odessa, Texas. That mall doesn't exist anymore. It's now an H-E-B and something else. And a little strip mall. But we were in that, walking down the hall, and there's the old, the old Wynwood Mall. And there was this guy that made these little uh, terrarium-type things and had these butterflies and made these little things. This was the 70s, people. And, um, and so your grandma had one of these, I'm telling you. And, um, and so they had these bugs, and he would... Um, so I was like, man, that's awesome. And he had some locusts. I was like, man, I can... I can, I can get locusts. I'd kill them all the time with my BB gun. I'd shoot them. And he's like, well, I can't use them if they got holes in them. But I'll pay you 10 cents a piece for every one that you can get me. And he told me what he needed me to do to them to preserve them and keep them. And then I'd have to ship them off. And then he would send me my money. So I was so excited. I, was, I had a job as a cicada hunter. And so I... Went out, I couldn't wait to get home. I got my little mason jar with my little stuff in the bottom of it to smother them. And uh, and uh, put them in there and have them all flap around. It's really kind of sad to watch. And, um, and so, uh, but I would get these. And you know what was amazing? Is as soon as I was employed, as soon as there was this connection, there was this promise that there was this thing going up again. All of a sudden, man, I began to have like super sonar ears. I could hear locusts three blocks away. Man, I could spot them there, and they're pretty camouflaged. I could spot them up against the pecan trees, and I could find them. Then, man, I began to get real sneaky. And all of a sudden, when my awareness began, that I did, there were more cicadas around me than I ever dreamed there were. There wasn't just the ones that would fly into our onto our windshield or hit our door or, or dive bomb us when I was on my bicycle. Those existed, but man, those suckers were everywhere. And as soon as I began to have an awareness and began to look for them, oh my gosh. It was just, I just couldn't, they were just all over the place. I got a box, a ton, a huge box, shoe box full of dead cicadas real quick. I did everything wrong and those suckers stunk. And my mama refused to stick them in the mail. And they got thrown away, and I never got my, never got my bounty. And, um, but I did learn that, man, all of a sudden, when you begin to have an awareness of something, begin to look for something. You ever notice how you decide you want to buy a silver Jeep? And you're like, I don't know, that'd be awesome. I've never seen a silver Jeep. I never see silver Jeeps. I'd be like the only person with a silver Jeep. And you decide you're going to buy a silver Jeep. What do you see like every fifth car? It's a silver Jeep. They're like, oh my gosh, these suckers are everywhere. Where did this come from? And I got to buy. And it's like, they're, what, everything is everywhere. It's an awareness. This is why we want, I want you to do the 60-60 challenge. Is when you become aware of what, that God is with you. And he wants to do stuff. Opportunities for good are around you all the time. 
You know, you're a minister. You get to do good. People call you up and say, I need prayer. I need this. You get to just do good all the time. Well, yeah, I get those opportunities. But you know what? I have to have to be conscious of them at other times as well. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of work, so that no one can boast. Okay? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Part of this beautiful act of grace that redeems us and brings us back to Him and makes us His own again, it resets us into our initial plan and purpose, which is to be an agent for good, to be Him represented in this planet to when we walk in and we begin to interact it's like god himself begins to show up how many times have you had somebody begin to tell you and encourage you exactly the words you needed to hear if you've never experienced it i pray that you get an opportunity and get in a small group and it'll happen i guarantee you you get in a small group you get around some believers man it's going to happen and god just begins to show up through people's lives Because the truth is, we're all hardwired for our lives to matter. We want our lives to matter. Some of the most bleak, hopeless, depressed people are those that have believed the lie of the enemy that they do not matter to anyone. And I'm going to tell you, if you're fighting that today, it is a lie. It is a lie, it is a lie, is it a lie? You were hardwired and designed to bless people and to to do good. And and you matter. You matter to God and you matter to more people than you have any idea. You're like, well, if I'm going to do good, that means I'm going to have to get connected with people. And I've hurt people. I don't trust myself with people. I'm not very good with people. Or maybe you say, you know what, but I've been hurt by people. People are mean. I don't really like them. I'm barely sitting in this church and it's full of too many people i'm going to get out of here for somebody makes me mad as soon as you shut up preacher and you're like man what we get this tension with that god has called us to do good philippians 2 13 says for it is god who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose it's god working in That's why my encouragement to you is on a regular basis. Say, God, I love you. I'm aware of your presence. I thank you for your grace. Is there anybody I can show that love to? And just just on a regular basis. And I'm telling you, it'll revolutionize your life and others. But see, we have to be conscious of this. But otherwise, we'll begin, our faith will begin to wither. Instead of grow, it begins to wither. James 2.17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's not growing. It's being lifeless. Our faith should then respond in some sort of way. There were people who showed up and they did these beautiful acts of service for you. And setting up tables out front today. Running power cords all over the place. Finding things, getting the donuts, doing all those different things. There are people next door doing beautiful acts of service, loving on our kids and and teaching them some of these same concepts we're talking about right now. Those are the kinds of things that just just simple acts of servitude. 
Those are actions of faith. And they're done by God, not by us. They're done in our obedience to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I will get out of step with the Spirit. And I'll either run ahead or I get fixated on something and I walk behind. And then my walk with God is this. And it should be a lot more casual, but that's all right. We're going to work to keep in step with the Spirit. I get a lot of practice on making sure I adjust myself to somebody else's stride on having a wife that's very pregnant. You go for a walk. She does not walk at my pace. You get to practice. Okay, I'm going to walk at her pace. We get to do this with God. Romans 15 says, May the hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself, this is Paul talking, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Where did this goodness come? It isn't from us. It's from the Holy Spirit alive and on the inside of us, guiding us and instructing us and keep moving us forward. And part of this it has to begin with us just simply desiring good. We get so programmed to just want to survive that the last thing in the world we want to do is get our hopes up to actually expect God to do something good in our lives or us to be used for good. And folks, sometimes it takes all of the faith that you can muster just to hope again. And maybe that's you this morning. You're like, man, life has beat me up and life has been tough and it's going to take everything I can just to say, God can use me for good. Start there. Start there. Just simply begin desiring it. Second Thessalonians 1 says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of His calling, and that by His power He may bring to fruition, bring it to pass, make it happen, every desire for goodness in your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin to have to desire good. And this we begin to be aware of the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good that he ought to do and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. You know what this does is this is because all of this checklist of the law got handled with Jesus. So now we're just walking by the Spirit. And we're keeping the great commandments. Love God and love one another. And we don't have this list of things that we can go, okay, well, I did this and I did this and I did that, so I'm in the clear. And the Holy Spirit begins to just work in us. And there'll be things that He prompts us to do Acts of love to show, things to do. And if we don't do it, for us, that is a place of sin, of us not trusting and honoring God. That's all sin is. Not saying you know more than you just, you, honoring Him. Sin is any place where we think we can do it better than God can, in God's way. That's all that is. And we end up messing with that. 
And see, Romans 14, 23 says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat. And this is talking about the whole thing about do you eat meat or do you not eat meat. He says, because their eating is not from faith. And everything does not come from faith as sin. On my first ministry jobs, I was the uh, janitor slash pastor in training. I loved the pastor in training part. I did not so much enjoy the janitorial part. And so some people love cleaning toilets. Lord bless them. Um, I was not talented at it nor good at it, but I did it for three and a half years, and I should have got good at it. I, I mean, that's almost a bachelor's degree in potties. I mean, it's just, I was one semester shy. And, um, uh, and so, but I, I was cleaning this, we had a Christian school that was connected with it. And, um, and so, and I'd have to clean this school and clean it and vacuum it every day, carry the trash out. And there would be these little moments and I would see, because my job was to make it clean, make it look good. And there'd be this one little piece of paper that some little smart aleck Christian school kid tore and it's way back in the corner and I can't get it. And my vacuum cleaner doesn't get it. And I'm like, nobody knows it's there. And I just go on about my business. And the Holy Spirit was like, your job is to pick every piece of trash up. You know it's there. I'm like, oh, nobody sees it. And man, I tell you what, I learned to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit by picking up pieces of trash over and over and over again. There was one time I got all the way home. And I had ignored this piece of trash. And I got back in my car, drove back to the building, went in there, got the piece of trash. I did it, Lord. And I threw it away. You're like, why is that such a big deal? It's because there are little things that matter. And if I can begin to tune God out on these little things and rationalize, guess what? I will begin to rationalize all sorts of stuff. I'll begin to say, Holy Spirit, you can talk to me about this, this, and that, but don't talk to me about that piece of trash in the corner. Because that's silly and it doesn't really matter in life. And I stonewall him. And then now, son, pretty soon, I'm going to stonewall him in, in all sorts of places. And man, I tell you what, we have to be willing to allow God to do it. You're like, God, I don't want to say that nice thing to that person. They're always mean to me. Share with them. Speak life to them. Speak life to them. That's what God has called us to do. Has, gall, has called us to do. And I tell you what, we're, I'm getting to, to live out um, a, an awkward, awkward moment in my ministry career with, uh, with my son. And I'm getting to live out the benefits of it because sometimes we don't know some of the consequences of the good that God prompts us to do. When Keenan was eight, um, he's here today somewhere, and I'm um, in from college. And when Keenan was eight, um, I got to take him hunting, and he was going to go and go get his first deer. And I had some deer friends that had a nice little place out in Sherwood that allowed us to come and hunt. And they had a boy. They had a young man, a little son that was about 12 years old, that had not got his first buck yet. And they told me about the buck that they were going to get, this nice-looking buck. And they're like, nobody is shooting any bucks until the son gets a buck. I'm like, no problems. No big deal. We'll get a doe. No big deal. So we go out. We're hunting. My dad's on the other corner of the property. I'm out there. The family that, that's, whose land it is is there. They're excited. I'm getting to hunt. Keenan's there. He's heard the rules. He's eight years old. I've hear, I hear the deer that they're holding for this young man, so I know it's a, a nice buck, but they've said no bucks. Keenan's up in this blind. He's got his gun. 20 yards in front of us, 20 yards in front of us. 
this deer walks out. And it's got horns. Sad little tiny horns. And it stops in the road and just stands there. And stands there. And tempts me. And I say, son, shoot it. And he's like, dad, we're not supposed to shoot bucks. I was like, this is not the deer they want. This is this little sad deer. We're not going to shoot that. I know this isn't it. I know this isn't it. Just shoot this deer. So he's arguing with me, but he's going to be an obedient boy. Shoot. So he makes his move. The deer stays and stays and stays. And Keenan shoots. And he gets his first deer. And immediately I'm like, oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. I was so excited for him to get a deer. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, that I went back on my word. And my son is going to remember this the rest of his life. These are milestone moments. Everybody remembers their first deer. So this dad and the son come up, and they come up, and they look, and they do not say a word. So sweet. And they just see it with horns. And, I, uh, and they know it's not the deer, but they knew the agreement. And, that just, and I'm just like, you know, and, I, and I'm saying, I, you know, I know this in the one, and I'm making all my excuses, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. So we load it up and carry it off. And we had, tra- I'd wanted to do some sort of trade. So there's like, oh, for a dough, just bring a bag of corn. So we brought our bag of corn for the dough. So then I'm like, God, Lord, I've totally blown it. Here's my son. I, I've, I told him to go against what he knows. I went against what I know. He's going to remember this, these people we care about. So I'm like, Lord, I've got to make it right. And Keenan has to watch me make it right. And God just really began to move on my heart. And it was an awkward moment. So we go to the store and I buy 10 bags of corn. And we go out to the place, and I let them know, hey, and I have this, and Keenan's standing right beside me, and I apologize, and I say, I'm so sorry, and I gave you my word we wouldn't shoot bucks, and I told him to shoot a buck, and, and, and you know, and please forgive me. And, and they had never acted like it had ever bothered them. They may have never bothered them. But, man, I tell you what, it, it bothered me, and it was wrong. And so we worked to make it right. And the cool thing is, is I never dreamed at that moment that one day I'd be pastoring a church. And one day that that 12-year-old boy whose buck was taken would be playing guitar this morning. He's right here. He's on our worship team. And his parents are sitting back there and allowing me the privilege of being, their parent, of being their pastor. I had no idea that in that moment where it was awkward and weird and where I could have taken the chicken way out of it and just left my sorry excuses and just go, go on. I tell you what, they're, they're sweet people and they'd have treated me right and they'd have never... But I don't know if they'd, have had the, if they'd have felt like they could have trusted me to be their pastor. And for their son to be a part of our ministry. And we've sent him to Big Lake to preach twice already. And be a part of our school of ministry. And he's going to Big Lake again in two weeks. We've got to pay attention to the things that the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. The good things he's asking us to do. Even if they're awkward. Because we don't know the full plan and the consequences on the other side of that years and years and years. God could be doing incredibly beautiful, huge things. And see, part of growing our faith is believing that God will bring good from the ugly when we trust in Him. See, so many times we think that God can just bring good from the smart, beautiful, spirit-led things that we've done. You think, but you know what? I've got a whole lot of junk in my life 
And how is God ever going to take this? Romans 8.28 says, And we know, we know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God can take what all of these different, our mistakes, our different things. I honestly believe that God actually used that moment. My mistake and God's spirit leading to restore, to actually strengthen the relationship. I think it actually became a place that it actually made that relationship with, the, with them stronger. When it could have been something that, that weakened it. God is incredibly good about this. Let him guide you. Expect God to want for God to use you for good, to bring good about in your lives. We serve a good God who does good. Then it should be a natural flow of our faith to see good abound over and over again. See, that's what Jesus came to do. And he quoted when he was time for him to officially start his ministry. He quoted Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Is that, an, is that a tight, ugly situation? Yes. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Is that good coming to somebody in an ugly place? Absolutely. To proclaim freedom for the captives. The captives are not seeing any good at that moment. But God wants to bring good. Release from darkness to the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance or justice of our God to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. And to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That piece of our lives that looks like it's been burnt up and destroyed. God wants to exchange that and cause something beautiful and glorious. Whether it is a relationship or a friendship or a, or a failed, <clears throat> a failed a, a assignment in life. God wants to turn that around. And then... All of those messed up situations will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord. Growing. A planting of the Lord. Growing for the display of God's splendor. When God's good shows up in our lives, who gets the glory? It's Him. It's a display for His splendor. And this morning, let's dare to believe that God loves us so much that He meets us right where we are. That his grace is sufficient. But let's also dare to believe that his grace is so big that he can take us in our awkward moments and in our messed up stuff and begin to use us for good. Good for us, good for others. And begin to show forth his glory in our lives. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. But that begins, that begins with us saying yes to him. So this morning then we want to create a quiet moment. You say, you know what, Brandon, you, you talked about that Jesus paid the price. And that we could just say, you know, his, <clears throat> his sacrifice, his death covered my sin. And I want to do that this morning. I recognize that Jesus is the Savior. And I want to embrace that. And I want God, I want my life to quit being about hurting myself and hurting others. And I want my life to be about good. And I know it's going to take God to do it. For good to come about, it really does take a miracle. It really does. It's the miracle of salvation and the new birth. The miracle of the Holy Spirit indwelling and guiding us. And if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand and we want to pray with you.